Welcome back to the Someone to Tell To podcast. We are so grateful you're here to join us today. We know we have another meaningful conversation that we're excited to share with you, our listeners. Uh, one of the things that we've been trying to do recently is, is we've had a lot of our listeners write to us just questions about previous episodes, and that's something we look forward to continue to interact more with each and every one of you as best as we can. And we, we know we've plugged our Patreon page with you before, but uh, we are going to be releasing some additional content on our Patreon page in the near future. And so keep sending us questions, things that you'd like us to talk about further, and we'd be happy to, to do that. So we have some special news to share with you, and it's an announcement time. We are moving. It's with full hearts that we're sharing this wonderful news with everyone for the past five years we've been listening and cultivating meaningful relationships within the historic grace united methodist church in downtown harrisburg pennsylvania and being there opened up for us so many experiences and connections that forever changed us and we'll be telling you more about that in the near future and change we did we have grown our team exponentially over the past few months and we found a new home to suit our growing team in Startup Harrisburg. This growing team of listeners, coordinators, and communicators needs additional space as we imagine all of the possibilities this team of brilliant minds can achieve and the changes that we can impart in our community and our world. We want to thank all of those who helped us and shared their stories with us from the very beginning, and we're looking forward to all of the new connections we can make next. Much like us, Startup Harrisburg's mission is to bring people together when it's safe again, of course. We can't wait to share our new space and our new plans with all of you. Of all the relationships we've gained since we started Someone to Tell It To, one of the very best is the relationship we've established with members of the International Listening Association. And yes, there is such thing as an International Listening Association. We were really happy to learn about it a little over four years ago. Since we've been doing this podcast series, we've had quite a few guests whom we've met through the ILA. It's a joy for us to talk with others who occupy a listening space around the world. People who are dedicating their lives and their professional careers to researching, teaching, writing about, or practicing the transformative impact of listening. They get it. And it's so encouraging to talk with and listen to others who share the value that intentional and empathetic listening can make a huge difference in our relationships. So our guests today are prominent members of the International Listening Association, whom we like and respect very much. Uh, Lori Jobert, the current president of the organization, and Laura Janusik, a past president and first person we met in the organization. And it was, we got to say, it was wonderful to catch up with them again in this conversation. They are super supportive of our mission and our work. Uh, which encourages us very, very much. And they're also just super nice people who make sharing our work together even more enjoyable. The International Listening Association was established in 1979 with a mission to advance the practice, teaching, and research of listening throughout the world. 
The ILA's vision is to be the international leader of listening practices, teaching, and research. As a network, listening professionals who exchange information and methods for more effective listening, who pursue research on listening's effects on humanity on many cultural and relational levels, and who pursue management strategies and promote them for government and business. The International Listening Association has members in more than 25 countries around the world and is involved in listening in education, business, healthcare, hospitality, spirituality, music, and many other fields. We are proud members of the International Listening Association and are so pleased today to welcome two of our very good friends from the ILA for this conversation, Lori Jobert and Laura Janusik. Well, Lori and Laura, it's so good to have both of you with us today. So we'd like each of you to introduce yourselves by telling us and our audience about who you are and why listening is so important to you. So Lori, why don't you go first? Thank you, Michael. And hello, Tom and Laura. It's great to be here with you. And I I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk with you today. Um, My name is Lori Jobert, and I live in Seattle, Washington. I currently work for the University of Washington as a program coordinator for the Department of Cardiology. I uh, support cardiologists in their mission to save lives, basically. They uh, work on heart disease, and uh, I find listening very important in that context because compassion is a very needed skill when it comes to patient care. And I just value listening for that very reason, is to be able to think thoughtfully and respectfully and carefully about the people you work with and the patients that you're caring for. Thank you. And so Laura, why don't you tell us about yourself and why listening is so important to you? I certainly will. And first, Michael and Tom, thanks for having Lori and I here. It is always wonderful to see all three of you. And as I said, I could just sit here and (laughs) gaze at you because simply being in the presence of you three just feels absolutely wonderful. I am Laura Janusik, and I am leveraging over 20 years of being a professor and scholar at Rockhurst University, plus 15 years of human resources in private industry uh, to bring listening out to the corporate world. Uh, So I retired from academia last year and started my own company, Listening to Change, where I coach and train individuals to have better aligned communication by keeping their mouths shut. (laughs) We're we're definitely going to talk more about that in a few minutes. (laughs) One of the things I think we found is that we're, we're obviously all a part of the International Listening Association, and we've had previous guests on our program, which has been very meaningful. And in fact, we, we, we talked about some of those guests uh, before we, we started here today. One of the things that Michael and I realized, though, is that we've never really taken the time to, to just introduce the ILA to, to our, our, our listeners. Maybe either one of you, you'd like to chime in just to give a little bit of history and, and maybe your history with the ILA. Lori, I'm going to let you go first as the current president of ILA. (laughs) Well, I am the current president of the ILA, but my 
my uh, time with the ILA started a long time ago, back in 2001, when I was a graduate student for the University of Washington, where I now work. And I was referred to the ILA because I was studying listening in the Department of Speech Communication at a time when there was not a listening course to be found. Um, we were learning a lot about public speaking and rhetoric and rhetorical criticism and analyses, but there was nothing really focusing on listening. So one day I asked my professor, you know, why isn't there a course on listening if it's so important to interpersonal communication? And he said, I think you just found your master's thesis. <laughs> so, so upon that, I got referred out to the Listening Association because one of my professors said, have asked me if I'd ever heard of the Listening Association, and I had not. So I joined as a student almost 20 years ago now. And I've been a member actively ever since. Um, I've been to several conventions. And the, what has kept me in the ILA is the massive amounts of interest in the field where I have seen no other in terms of research, education, teaching, and practice, and people who really believe and live it and really want to spend their time to continue learning about listening. The ILA has grown so much in the last 42 years. We are currently in more than 25 countries, and we now have an online virtual presence for the first time, mostly due to COVID-19. And that's not entirely true. We've started online presence uh, years ago. I think Laura even had a hand in developing our first attempt at online programs. And it's just grown since then. The COVID-19 um, situation has really caused many of us to work virtually, as you know. And learning to listen in a virtual environment has been challenging for many of us. So the ILA is also learning its way into a virtual environment, just like everybody else in the world. Um, the ILA is filled with students and professionals and practitioners from all kinds of disciplines. And we have a place for everyone, which is one of the reasons why I'm still with the ILA. They have felt like family to me. Laura was one of the first scholars I met back in 2003 at my first convention, which happened to be in Stockholm, Sweden. Cool. And I was greeted with open arms and warm welcome and a zest, the biggest zest for listening I could ever find anywhere. And I've stayed ever since because of that. Fantastic. Laura. So that's enough said for the time being. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As Lori said, it is just an amazing association because of the people. Uh, I fell into it by accident. I actually had two years to get involved in it when I chose not to. When I was in graduate school, I was paired with Andrew Wolven as my mentor, uh, who the name might be familiar to many because he was a world-renowned listening scholar. And I told him within the first three weeks of meeting him that I was not going to become a listening person. And uh, I didn't know what a listening person was, but it didn't sound like anything I would want to be. And Andy was just really supportive of me and said, that's fine, Laura, you can be whatever you want. 
And then my final semester for my master's program, I realized from a political stance, he would be writing my letters of recommendation. So I should show a little interest in his passion. (laughs) Um, So I took his listening course and within two weeks, it totally changed my life. I thought, this is listening? This is what listening is? Why don't people understand what listening is? Why don't people understand how important listening is to developing the quality of relationships? And so I wrote a paper for his class that he said, you should present this at the ILA. And I thought, well, okay. And I went and like Lori said, you know, you're just greeted with open arms and you hear names of all of the other scholars. And at that point, I decided I am definitely not going to go out into the private world now. I am going to continue on this academic journey and get my PhD and focus in listening because there is so much more that we still need to know. Uh, So that's why I got involved in the ILA. And I was the president back in 2010, and Lori was actually my secretary back then, but she was so much more than that because we spoke almost on a daily basis. She was the best coach anyone could ever have. And, you know, people think that the International Listening Association is funny. It's like, what do you do? Just sit around and listen to each other? (laughs) Uh, but the, the reality is, as Lori indicated, we draw people from so many different walks of life, and we draw people who are interested in and supportive of listening. So we have the most amazing conversations, and it is the absolute best place to ever feel heard and understood. So I'm just curious. I know for Michael and I, and we've we've referenced this in some of our previous episodes. We've had a lot of people from the ILA that we've we've had conversations with, and I know for both of us, our our first conference was actually in Ireland, um, and and so we went to one of the international conferences, which was just amazing in so many ways. Um, but we could probably pinpoint one or two specific moments that just really sealed the deal for us. Uh, to become a part of an active member going forward. Can either one of you think of like a moment in particular that just stands out to you? Maybe it was a conversation, a seminar you attended that just is like, I'm so grateful to be a part of this. I have two actually. The first was that paper I told you about that I was, uh, that I actually um, went with Andy to the conference to present and Andy introduced me, and I did the paper, and then we're in the Q&A, and he says, you know, people are asking questions, and he says, Kitty, you have a question, and I think, oh my gosh, that's got to be Kitty Watson, like that's the famous Kitty Watson, that's like, I cite her all of the time in my stuff, and then he called on Jim McCroskey, and then he called on Charles Weaver, and there were just all of these people that he was calling on, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm seeing them here in the flesh, mm-hmm. and I can be this close with, with, yeah, the big brains of the field, and I definitely want to do that. Um, And then the other time was when I started getting into metacognitions, and I um, presented at a conference, and during the Q&A, like almost a fight broke out. 
people were so upset that I said, if you are studying and teaching listening, you are studying and teaching cognitive psychology. So you better understand how the brain works. And I had so many people who were against that idea. I am not studying cognitive psychology. I'm studying listening. And uh, uh, who was it? Charles Roberts came up to me afterwards and he said, continue doing what you're doing because we need more controversy in the field. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue what I'm doing. What, what was the opposition? The opposition is that there are people who think that listening doesn't have anything to do with the brain. It has to do with the heart or I don't, have to or want to know about how the brain works to know how people listen. I didn't really understand it either, Michael, because (laughs) I think, yeah, (laughs) I I see the, the overlap in them. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're glad that you're doing something about that and that you want to change those, continuing to change those understandings that that people have. Um, Laura, this question, this next question is for you too. As an educator who has specialized in communications, what core values over the years have you tried to instill in your students about the importance of listening? What, you know, just, you know, what is at the core of why listening is just so vital? Well, I would say two things. And the first is understanding that listening is primarily a cognitive activity, but in communication, it's perceived behaviorally. However, there are no behaviors in the world's research that supports that anything is going on in the brain. All of the listening behaviors that we think about are really cultural norms. So I'm not suggesting that those aren't important, but they vary by culture. And listening really is about understanding, and understanding takes place in our brain. So understanding that we really have to think about how we make meaning and how we comprehend, that is one of the core aspects of listening that I think is so important. And then the other is that since listening is perceived behaviorally, keep your mouth shut and listen, right? Keep your mouth shut and listen. Ask great questions and people are going to believe that you are the best conversationalist ever, even if you don't have anything to say. Hmm. That's great. Lori, let's come back to the question I had asked a minute ago. Is there a moment that you can remember back at an ILA conference or a convention that just stood out to you that really, you know, made, made, made you just feel like this is something I want to be a part of long, long term? Yes, I have many, and I, I thought of one, but then after listening to Laura talk about her encounter with listening giants, <laughs> I, I thought of my first encounter with my listening giant, who was Mike Purdy, who I had cited in my graduate research work when I was a student just coming into the field, and I was looking at um, topics related to listening and empowerment studies. And when I met Mike Purdy in the ILA at a convention, I got chills. It was just so incredible to be in the presence of this voice that you've only seen on the page, 
who has influenced your life and your scholarship in some way. So I have been connected to him ever since, and we're good friends. Mm. And so that's one aha moment for me. And then the other one was really a learning experience I had at one of the conventions. There was a woman from Japan who gave a talk, and I can't recall her name at the moment, but she used the term in Japanese that they use for listening, which is kiku. And kiku means listening with the senses, listening with the eyes and the nose and the ears and the mouth. And I was just so inspired by this cultural difference in understanding listening that was so outside of my cultural norms that it really made me hungry to keep learning more about listening. And so I realized at that moment that I had a lot more to know from the people who show up at listening conventions. Well, I, I can add probably one of the moments that I think sealed sealed things for us was we had interviewed Raquel Ark uh, from Listening Alchemy, and uh, at one point in the conference in, in Ireland, we decided that we wanted to kind of hang around for a couple extra days and, and tour the countryside of Ireland, and we decided to go together, and literally it was like a last-minute thing. We're just like, Raquel, you want to come with us? And at that point, we had already committed to go with um, Pierce Godwin, who was also a previous guest on our, our program. And uh, we just connected on such a deep level, uh, just driving the countryside and realized we just have the same heart and the same passions, and, and um, there's a real synergy between us. And that, that really sealed sealed things for us. Yeah. <laughs> nice. In fact... Um, we're well this is going to air after the fact but but before uh, after this interview but before it airs we are are doing a uh, a keynote address at the ILA annual convention um and uh with, with Raquel and we're actually going to talk about uh, one of those experiences hmm. um where we where where we were surprised by listening which is the theme of our talk uh for the convention so um uh, we're excited to do that and very meaningful for us. So Lori, we want to ask you as a professional in healthcare, what values are most important to you and to the people you work with, especially now in the midst of a global pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in healthcare, it's, it's pretty straightforward for us who have been employed, who are employees, and especially the ones who have been there a long time. And we put safety first. So, safety and respect are two of the key values. Professionalism is a key value for us in healthcare. And compassion, which is a form of listening is very well known in our environment across all providers and staff and technicians. Um, you get a sense of that when you come into the hospital or the healthcare setting. Um, I work in both um, the health sciences building and the hospital. I go back and forth when I'm on site. And so I get to see both practitioners and academicians who are doing research. Um, so I see both the administrative side and the clinical side, and in all environments, I get a sense of those values, the safety, the, the respect, the professionalism, and the compassion. Another name that would be familiar to the four of us, but maybe not so much to our listeners, is Dr. Ralph Nichols. 
And Dr. Ralph mm-hmm. Nichols, who pioneered bring both the importance of and science of developing good listening skills to national attention in the 1940s, has written this. The most basic of human needs is the need to, be, to understand and be understood. The best way to understand people is to listen to them. So let's take a minute and just talk about that statement. Was it revolutionary at the time he first made it? Is it still revolutionary today? If it is, why? And what are some of the factors that might make it so difficult for us to listen to understand? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes to all of those, I will say. Um, I was thinking about I was thinking about that as you were asking that question. And both Lori and I majored in communication, speech communication. And one of the things that we know that perhaps, you know, the general world doesn't know per se is that audience effects didn't enter into communication research until about the nineteen twenties. And Audience effects is another fancy name for the listener, because it used to be that in public speaking, it was all about the speaker, whatever the speaker did, you know, with his hands and his arms and uh, his vocalics and things like that. But it wasn't until the 1920s that somebody introduced Wilchins, actually introduced the idea of rhetorical effect. So what effect does the speaker have on the audience or on the listeners? And people then went, oh, yeah, the listeners are important in this equation, too. It's not just about the speaker. And so some of the early listening research began back then, uh, including stuff with Nichols. Um, But Nichols didn't make that statement until the 1950s. And recognizing that between the 1930s and the 1950s, there wasn't technology So the only way people could learn about the research that had been done was reading it, you know, and how do you even find out that something like that was done unless you're going to a university or something along those lines? Um, So I, I think and then in saying it in the 1950s, it was still revolutionary at that point because he was trying to speak more to the masses. And I think it's even more revolutionary today because of technology because i think with technology we've lost a lot of our ability to listen because we don't practice it anywhere near as much as we used to practice it Mm. for example sitting around at the dinner table with an extended family you had to learn to listen to a wide variety of people you know you had the weird aunts and uncles and you know the strict grandparents and it depended on what your family was built like but you got introduced to a lot of different types of people and so you got to practice listening to a lot of different types of people and with technology what we know is oftentimes families don't even eat together or if they eat together they're watching television or they're on their phones so they're not actually practicing listening to each other so it's a skill that i think has been largely affected by technology and i totally agree i know that this will be one of those questions right because i think technology can enhance listening too but we have to use it the right way Well, today, the day that we are recording this is International Women's Day, Mm -hmm. and it's really, well, it's pretty neat that we are able to uh, interview two women who are working internationally, Mm 
and have been leaders of, a, of an international organization that, that speaks to listening, which we think is just so important to all of our lives. So as leaders in, in this listening movement who have been involved with the, this international organization for many years, what do you see as the most significant barriers to having people embrace the concepts of good listening intentional and effective listening. Mm-hmm. Well, I can I can speak to that because it's in the forefront of my day-to-day life. Um, just on a very practical level, it's not fancy. <laughs> it's not a fancy response. Just on a really practical level, a lot of people are just really busy and distracted. You know, the pace, technology's wonderful. Laura just gave a great plug for technology and how that's helping advance listening. But it's also part of what's causing us not to be as effective of listeners as we can be because we're constantly distracted by, you know, handheld devices or some kind of bell or ding going off in the background. Um, And the more and more we embrace the technology, the more we have to get even more serious about looking into the ways listening is interrupted or interfered with because it that can interfere with the way we relate to one another, which has a huge impact on our relationships. So those are just some of my initial thoughts is that it's just really the busyness and the distractions we have in our day-to-day lives on a practical level. Yeah. And I would add to that, Lori, that I think it's very challenging because listening is like breathing. People are born doing it. So people think they already know how to do it. So why would they want to learn how to do it better or differently? And of course, they don't understand necessarily how we make that distinction between hearing and listening. You know, hearing just being the uh, reception of the sound and then listening is actually the making meaning and trying to make that meaning correctly. And I often liken it to the analogy of breathing. Uh, I will, you know, we were born breathing, but I never learned how to breathe. And I think that's because I didn't play any kind of an instrument in elementary school. And so I never really paid attention to my breath until I started yoga a couple of um, decades ago. And then you really get much more attuned to your breathing and involved with your breathing. And you understand that well, darn, I haven't been breathing correctly all of these years, but who knew, right? And I think it's the same thing with listening. If it doesn't kill us, then we're not going to really try to seek out how to do it better for the most part. We'd love for you just to comment on how you see social media and electronic communications of all kinds and how they can be meaningful, positive, and and good. Well, I will be the first to admit that when I had when I had the webinar with you two, I was a little bit skeptical of the whole idea too, because I was much more of that purist, right? Listening is supposed to take place face to face. But you did a great job in changing my mind because the medium over which we communicate isn't as as important as the fact that both people want to communicate or be face-to-face and not, I, I, I don't mean face-to-face literally, but talking on the phone. They want to or, connect. Uh, yeah, connecting through text or things like that. And so I think if we look at the, 
you know, what listening does in terms of that comprehension and feeling heard and understood, I think technology can do a great job with that. And it's doing a great job in some wonderful areas and some not wonderful areas as well. Um, And what I mean by that is when we think about the idea that everybody wants to be heard and understood, we have a lot of people out there who are falling I should, we've got people out there who fall into groups that are anarchist, you know, or don't necessarily carry the values that I carry, but they feel heard and understood, and that's mostly through technology. They get introduced to those groups through technology. So if we could just catch that quicker and faster, Well, I guess quicker is faster, right? Um, uh, But earlier in their lives, imagine just the huge change that we could have on on people's trajectories. Yeah, thank you. Lori, would you have anything to add? Yeah, well, I was just remembering that, you know, really the biggest usefulness around social media in terms of relationship building is that you just get access you know, you get access, regardless of the medium of how you're listening, whether it's through a message, a message platform or a Facebook site or another app of some kind, there is this togetherness that's happening more that to me does advance listening because it interrupts our isolation that makes us feel so alone and separate from others. And I think that listening improves in and of itself when we feel more connected and united as a human race. And social media does give us that on some level. I think we've been surprised at how much listening work we do through social media. We, especially if obviously this past year, it's almost been 100% of the, of, the, of the work we've done has been through some form of electronic means. I think the point that we often make, um, and I hope all of our listeners can hear this today too, is just that the opportunities are endless. They're all around us. I mean, I just, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn page, there's somebody that I follow and, and she happened to unexpectedly lose her brother. Um, and, and I just reached out to her privately. I don't even know her other than that we're, we follow each other and just said, hey, you know, this is kind of our work and, and we'd love to be supportive if we can. And, and now we've fostered a connection privately through LinkedIn. I mean, the opportunities are just there if we, if we utilize them. So I think that's just our way of putting more of a positive spin on, on technology. Mm-hmm. So, Lori, um, as the current president of the International Listening Association, how do you assess the progress that the ILA has made over the years on, on promoting and, and changing the dialogue about listening you know, to help listening be recognized as an essential skill for human interaction and human relationships? How's the ILA been doing? Yeah, that's, that's a big question. And it's, you know, it's, um, it's a very uh, multi-pronged question. You know, if, if we just looked at how we assess our impact on the world, it would be through our membership. And, you know, since 1979, now 42 years ago, you know, the ILA has brought into its network over 1,400 members, which isn't a measure of our success in terms of, of membership, but it is a measure in terms of influence. 
So we have influenced a lot of professionals and educators who have gone out into their communities to then start new programs or teach a new class. And it's that back and forth networking that really is our greatest strength in terms of how we have changed the dialogue. Because as you heard Laura and I already talk about today on this call is you've heard stories about where we've visited the subject matter and then maybe took away something new an innovative thought or a new contact or that aha moment where we got to sit with the greats and listening and then learn something more in depth about that. So that networking and membership is a great way to assess how we are and that we're one of the longest standing. I can't, I don't know if I can say this, but we could potentially be the longest standing listening association in the world. I don't know of another association that has been in business longer than 42 years as the ILA has stayed in business. So that's that's one way that more recently as president this year, I'm happy to report that we have a variety of new online programs that have been made public, both free to non-members as well as to our paid members who are um, part of our solid membership and we have a variety of programs that are going to be going on all year long starting with next week our 2021 convention and so the ila is expanding its reach in terms of what we can show to the world about listening through our online program format and laura along with other members will be there as well as yourselves because you're going to be giving your keynote speech yeah and um, we're going to be looking at expanding that program reach going forward. So more to come on that. So what kind of excites you both uh, going into the future? What, what's something that you, you want to see happen uh, to, to really grow the, the, the ILA to something that maybe you never anticipated before? Well, I, I'll just keep going for a second here. As president this year, one of my goals um, is was in alignment with the theme for last year's convention that didn't happen, which was embrace the world, listen to build relationships. And so one of my dreams for the ILA is that internally as ILA members, when we come together, we will get better and better at listening and relationships that we will learn we will learn senses of intimacy amongst each other that are unheard of because it's gotten safe enough to even deepen our connections because it's safe enough to show things we couldn't talk about related to really hard topics like diversity is a very big topic in the world today and a very hard conversation to have. So the more the listening association internally can move towards safety and dialogue using listening as a healing mechanism, I think that will open up doors that have not been opened up before. Hmm. within the ILA and also as we impact the dialogue outside of the ILA. Love it. How about you, Laura? Well, I was really captivated when Lori was speaking about the, uh, the measure of success being the network, the networking that happens through ILA and how these 
these seeds are planted perhaps through interactions within ILA members, but then they go out into the community and take on a life of their own. So it's almost like uh, ILA's Johnny Appleseed, right? And uh, and we just all take those apple seeds and and sprinkle them around the world and. And I think for many of us, it doesn't matter where you found that inspiration, the fact that you're taking it on to other people, that is what's so cool about it. And I think, you know, one of the things that I often say is, you know, we're changing the world one listener at a time. And that's all we can do is one listener at a time. Um, But the more one listeners we have, the better communities we build, the more engaged we become, and the quality of our relationships develop. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Pensy. We are volunteers at Wonders Found Thrift Shop and proud sponsors of the Someone to Tell It To podcasts. Wonders Found is a totally volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We also support local missions and people experiencing homelessness, veterans, and children and youth outreaches. We provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, mountcalvaryumc.org backslash wonders found, or stop in to see what wonders you will find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard. God bless. What are, what are some of your listening tips that you love to pass on? I mean, there's always listening tips that we love to hold on to, but is there one or two that you, that's your, one of your favorites? Well, you can't say one or two because there are so many. What's one or two that you're thinking of today in this moment? So I'd like to go back (laughs) to the pithy one. So um, listen to understand, not to respond. I think that one is really important because so quickly we want to respond and it's okay to have some silence. Um, And I think more recently it's been this idea that listening requires us to be willing to be influenced. And if we are not willing to be influenced, then we have no business listening. Um, and, and I look at all of the rancor that's happening in society today, and I just see so many people who are not willing to be influenced, yet they want to influence other people. And until we understand that we all have to be willing to be influenced, it's going to be really hard. That is such a great, great tip. One that we we often use in a very similar vein is is just that we we have the opportunity to learn something new from everybody that we we interact with and if we looked at every person that way it does change the game significantly laura back to your your question of us just a moment ago about zoom meetings we we have felt at times in the last year where we're listening to someone who speaks 
uh, in a different language and they're, they're, they speak English, but it's maybe a second or third language for them and, and how difficult that has been at times. And, and it, it, it takes a lot more out of the listener. Yeah. And the other thing that I noticed too, which I think is really interesting and will be even more interesting when we come out of lockdown is the eye contact because on zoom, we tend to look at the person for prolonged periods of time, whereas when we're face-to-face, we generally establish eye contact and then look beyond them Mm -hmm. and then reestablish eye contact and look beyond them. But we don't do that in Zoom. In Zoom, we just keep staring at the person. Um, And we see ourselves, which is distracting because we don't have that image in our daily interactions face-to-face with people. So there's so many more things, I think, bombarding our cognition at the time that we don't have to take into an account in face-to-face interactions. Mm-hmm. Lori and Laura, this one final question. What have you both learned through your work, your, your research, your experiences, the ones you've had professionally as well as personally about how listening can change our world for the better, especially, especially in divided and disconnected times? Well, I'll go ahead and start. Um, What's coming to mind for me is the context from which I learned listening in was an interpersonal communication context. And um, during those years of study, I learned a lot about the quality of communication is the quality of your life. And it can communication can live on a spectrum from being very impersonal or very interpersonal. So impersonal would be if you were talking to a stranger, someone you didn't know, and interpersonal would be someone more like a friend or a family member, depending on the level of relationship. And so what's changed for the better for me is that listening has played a big role as I have studied and taught and practiced listening at sustaining and building healthy relationships in my life and in the world. And for me, I think that listening, the more I learn about listening and the more I developed as a person in listening, I recognized that I could listen to people who had different points of view as I did, and I didn't have to agree with them, and I didn't have to lose what I believed. And so being able to listen to understand and not to respond, being able to listen and not agree has been wonderful for me because it's really broadened what I know exists and what I can play around with in my own mind to see, okay, do I like this part of the way I am? Or can I take a part of that and bring it in and be even better? And I think when you talk about making the world a better place, I think one of the places we are in the world is people are so afraid to listen to each other because they're afraid of losing themselves. And listening doesn't mean that you have to lose yourself. Quite the opposite. I think listening means we gain ourselves and we learn who we are through the power of listening. Those are beautiful answers. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate them very much. So... If you would like to give a plug for the International Listening Association virtual convention that begins on March 18th, 
we would uh, we would certainly encourage you to do that now because this will air before the convention begins. Yes. Hi, I'm Lori Jobert. I'm president of the International Listening Association. Please come out and join us virtually at this year's convention on March 18th through the 20th. You can register online by going to www.listen.org. We would love to have you. Thank you very much. We're going to be there. We know that you're going to be there, both of you, uh, you know, talking, presenting, sharing, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. We wish it could be in person, but we understand why it can't be. Yeah, well, we really uh, we do appreciate you both so much. I mean, that probably the biggest uh, highlight for us in terms of ILA and our, our membership is just the connections we've already fostered and, and look forward to fostering long into the future. So Yeah, so likewise. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so pleased y'all are going to give the keynote on the 17th or on the 18th. Yeah. We're oh, that's excited. so cool. I know it will be wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you both. I'm so glad I got to hang out with you all so much last year and again now. So it's really a treat, Michael and Tom. Yeah, you too. Just for us as well. Yeah. Very much. So, Like I said, I could just sit here and smile and listen to the three of you because just being in your presence is wonderful. Well, yours as well. Well, thank you both. We wish you well. Enjoy the rest of International Women's Day. Yeah. We celebrate you Thank both. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. This episode had several technical glitches in it. When the internet cut out more than once in the building where we were recording our part of it, each time we have to say that, that Lori and Laura stayed online waiting for us to return, even not sure if we would return or not, depending on when the internet came back. And not knowing if it could, not knowing if it would be restored, they still waited. And that's the way it is, we think, with the very best listeners. They're caring, they're patient, they're wanting to connect, and are willing to give time to do it. We appreciate that about them very much. Yeah, there's a quote I wanted to share with you from... Another podcast host, her name is Krista Tippett, and she once said that listening is about being present, not just about being quiet. And how true is that in our connection with Lori and Laura today? This first airs two days before the start of the ILA or the International Listening Association's virtual annual convention, and we're looking forward to connecting with old friends from there and to meeting new friends who also share our values and the transformative significance of good listening. Someone to tell to is happy to be part of the ILA. So, until we listen again.